Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Lori. Welcome to E3. I'm not sure what is more awkward than standing up here when that funky music is playing, and I'm just standing here like, what am I supposed to do? Uh, but anyway, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, not, we'll not talk about that today. Um, yeah, welcome to week two of our series on the book of Ruth. Uh, I was out of town, actually, for a wedding last week, but I was able to watch the message online. Uh, and if you didn't get a chance to watch last week's message, I strongly encourage you to check that out on our website or our social media pages Pastor Mike did a fantastic job introducing this new series and giving a, a great overview of the book of Ruth and, and what it's about and uh, within the context of the bigger story of God and what we'll be unpacking for the next few weeks. So if you missed it, definitely go back and check it out. You can, see, you can actually find all of our previous messages, but definitely check that one out. Uh, before we jump into the text for today, I'd like to ask you guys to answer a question for me. Now, if you're on site, connect with somebody, maybe somebody you don't know. And if you're online, I want you to chat your, your answer into the chat uh, or type your answer into the chat. Here's the question. You ready? What is the hardest move, be it a house move, town move, job move? What is the hardest move that you have ever made and what was the reason for that move. Go ahead. Okay. Now, listen, listen, everyone. Teacher Lori over here. Um, Ricky, how do you get your class's attention? Class. No, I'm just uh, listen, I know we could have talked the whole rest of the gathering about that question, right? I love that you guys are all into it and so passionate about it, but we do have other things to discuss. So thank you. Continue your conversation after all about that. So last week, uh, we asked that question because we're going to be talking about a couple of different moves that we find in chapter one of Ruth. Last week, we heard about the big move that Elimelech and uh, his family made to Moab. And this week, we're going to take a look at another big move that happens in a couple of verses later. And Pastor Mike, like I said, covered the first few verses of the chapter, so we're going to pick it up pretty much from there. But before we do that, I'm also going to summarize a little bit of what happened last week or where we were last week in case you missed that. Um, this, this next section of scripture is actually uh, the, uh, probably the most known section in the book of Ruth. It's a verse that many of, we're going to talk about a verse that many of you are already familiar with, and they are words that come directly from Ruth. So we'll get to that in a few minutes, but first let's recap verses one through six that Pastor Mike talked about last week. So remember where we are in this time of history. It's a dark, dark time in Israel's history when God has raised up judges to rule the land. It's a time when people are living to serve themselves rather than to please God. Now, part of the result of that is that there's a great famine in the land. So remember, you guys remember us talking about that, right? So Elimelech and his family, his wife, Naomi, and their two sons, Malon and Kilion, forgive me if I'm pronouncing those wrong. They're not the names of my children. And so I am not really super familiar with it. Uh, they leave their home and head to Moab to find food. 
While they're there, Elimelech dies, and the two sons marry two Moabite women, Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah and Ruth. Listen, I don't know how many times I practiced it after watching Brayton last, night, uh, last week. So um, all seems to be well for about 10 years, and then both of Naomi's sons also die, leaving her with no husband, no sons, but leaving her with two daughters-in-law. Now, you might know or remember at this time and in this culture that that would have left Naomi very vulnerable, actually all three of the women, very vulnerable and without, without many opportunities to care for themselves. It's a pretty scary situation to be in. And so Naomi hears that the famine back in her homeland has ended and the Lord has once again provided food there. So she and her daughters-in-law make plans and preparations to return to Naomi's home country. Everybody with me so far? Everybody good? Okay. So here we have a wife and a mother who has lost her husband and both of her sons. She's definitely been dealt a pretty tough hand, right? Um, I would imagine that she's considering the very limited options that she has. She could stay in Moab with her daughters-in-law, perhaps, but that is not her homeland. And maybe one of her two daughters-in-law will remarry and still take care of her. Or she could head back to her home and possibly get some support from her people there. So she has to at least be considering, though, what it might be like to return to her homeland with two Moabite women in tow. Because remember, there is no love lost between these two countries. Mike talked about that last week, right? So what would her family and friends back in her home think about her two sons marrying two Moabite women? Could that maybe interfere with her getting the support from her family and friends, which is the whole reason for her move, right? So that's the recap of verses one through six. Now we're going to pick up in verse seven. Read along with me. With her two daughters-in-law, she, Naomi, left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons? Who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. We're gonna pause right there in the text. Okay, so we see that Naomi leaves Moab with Orpah and Ruth and actually starts the journey back home. They have left, they have started the journey. But sometime down the road, and it doesn't say exactly when, Naomi changes her mind and decides to send the girls back to Moab. So there's a couple of things that I want us to know about Naomi, to remember about Naomi. First, 
She is the only one that makes both of these journeys. The journey from Bethlehem to Moab and the journey from Moab back. She left with her husband and her two sons, but is now returning with only two daughters-in-law that are not her flesh and blood. Second, for Naomi, both of these moves seem to be motivated by the physical needs of her family, not a spiritual leading, okay? It's gonna be important to remember it. Naomi and her family moved to Moab for the same reason that Naomi is now moving back home for food to meet her physical needs, right? So they've started the journey and all of a sudden Naomi is trying to send both of her daughters-in-law back to Moab. Why would she first allow the girls to travel with her and then all of a sudden have a change of heart? Maybe, possibly, she's setting aside her own well-being for the sakes of her daughters-in-law. She might believe that it, that it would be hard for all of them if these Moabite women came back with her. Uh, that, that may impact how she herself is received by her family. And it may keep her getting, from getting the, the support and care that she's actually moving back for. But she's willing to take that chance at first. Then at some point, something shifts and Naomi changes her mind and she decides to send both girls back, as we read. Remember that Naomi, her return isn't, isn't coming from a longing for God or an obedience to him, but more a longing for his provision, right? And that's important for us to note here as we move through this book. As Naomi is trying to send the girls back, she says, she says this, may the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Now, this translation says that Naomi asked the Lord to show kindness, but actually the word is a word that Mike talked about last week, said. And this, this word kindness is actually a very weak translation of that word. Remember, Mike said last week that that word is a radical expression of God's greatest attributes, his love and mercy and grace and kindness and goodness, his loyalty and covenant and faithfulness. It is the thing that moves a person to act for the benefit of another without considering what it means for themselves. And Mike even described said as the antidote for the chaos in this world. I loved that. And this is what Naomi asked the Lord to bless her daughters-in-law with as she tries to send them back to their home. She does want a beautiful life for them. She is showing a great care and concern for them. But the girls argue and ask Naomi if they can stay with her. And then we see a little glimpse of maybe a little bit more of what's going on in, in Naomi's heart when she says, why would you wanna stay with me? I can't have any more sons. And even if I did, what are you gonna do? Wait for 20 years until they're old enough to marry you? Not, not only can we see some bitterness in Naomi, but she even speaks the words directly that her life is now bitter and that the Lord has turned against her. And we're gonna come back to that in a few minutes. But I wanna ask you, can anyone relate to how Naomi might be feeling when, she, it, when she's speaking these words? Have you ever experienced a situation where you felt like God had turned against you? Like you don't want anyone else to be dragged down with you, so you push everyone away. Raise your hand or type me in the chat if you've experienced that before. Don't let me be the only one now. I'll start calling people out. I've met with some of you. 
Yeah, no, mm-mm, not having it. <laughs> I know that I have. It seems that Naomi's reactions here are pretty normal. But frankly, so are Orpah's, right? She says, okay, mom-in-law, you've asked me twice to go back home and you've painted a pretty bleak picture of what it would be like if I go with you. So yeah, I'll go back home. That's no problem. And then they wept together, reminding us that this wasn't an easy decision for any of them. And Orpah kisses Naomi and heads back to Moab. But then there's Ruth. Let's pick up in verse 15. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. And here's the key scripture from the entire book of Ruth. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So here we go. This is the section that includes one of my personal favorite verses in the entire Bible. Um, This happens to be the first time that we hear directly from Ruth. And she respectfully says, enough already, Naomi. I've made up my mind, I am going with you. Showing us a very strong determination, but also her very humble love and loyalty towards Naomi. She is showing us her hesed toward Naomi. And this is what finally convinces Naomi that Ruth isn't gonna take no for an answer. So we know that Naomi's choices are primarily being driven by the physical needs that they have But Ruth could probably find food in either place. And it could definitely be argued that it might be easier for her to find food in her hometown versus Naomi's. But Ruth is being driven by the spiritual, not the physical. She wants to be obedient to this God of Naomi's. She understands that obedience is the harder, but the better choice. Our obedience to God is very often filled with a ton of obstacles and challenges that make us want to change our minds at some point, right? To make what seems like the easier choice. But read this, obedience means making the right choice, not the easier choice. And it means making that right choice over and over and over again. It is hardly ever a one-time decision. And it's not hard for us to relate to Orpah as she seemed to make the right choice once when she first left with Naomi. But then there was pushback a couple of times. There were obstacles, there were challenges. There were were opportunities for her to be challenged and and told to turn around. And it got harder and harder for Orpah. And so she decided to head toward the easier path. How many of us have done that? made the right choice to be obedient to God, but then things got harder than we had expected or had hoped and maybe got a little bit messy. And so we've headed back towards what we think is the easier path. Ruth, on the other hand, she had to make the right decision to be obedient over and over again. And we see that in her story. Even after Naomi tried to get her to go back home to safety, three different times, we can see in Ruth's own words that she is choosing to obey God. 
she even says, may the Lord punish her severely if she leaves, uh, lets anything separate her from Naomi. Naomi's journeys are motivated by tending to her family's physical needs, and we all understand that. It's not a bad thing. We all make those choices to do whatever we can to care for ourselves and our families. We do that daily. But Ruth's journey was motivated by God. She made a point, a choice to show Hesed to her mother-in-law, a radical love of mercy and grace and kindness and all those things that we talked about, to act for the benefit of Naomi without considering what it might mean for herself. That's Hesed. That's also obedience. Showing that kind of radical Hesed love when a different choice might be easier or more comfortable is what God calls all of us to do for each other. In a couple weeks from today, everybody make note of this if you didn't already know it. In a couple weeks from today, it's going to be Mother's Day. And as a staff, we always discuss what that holiday should look like to celebrate Mother's Day as a church because, quite frankly, in our community, we have people across the broad spectrum of emotions towards this holiday, towards this day. For some people, it's a day when they are fully celebrated by their families as moms. They're shown special attention and love and, and maybe get taken out to lunch and, uh, and, and get gifts. But for others, they might be focused on celebrating the, the wonderful relationships that they have with their own mothers or the mom figures in their lives. But for some people, Mother's Day is a very challenging and very difficult day for lots of reasons. That could range from heartbreaking loss to grief over what isn't or hasn't been yet or to pain from the hard relationships that we, that we have or that, that have been or are currently. Now, I lost my mom 10 years ago, actually, this month, and my relationship with her was challenging. Just going to say that. Uh, she wasn't a terrible mom by any means, but let's just say that we didn't have the relationship that I wish that we had had. But I was blessed with an amazing stepmother who I had a very close relationship with until she passed away. And I still am very, very blessed with an incredible mother-in-law. Carl's mom has stood in the gap for many years to be a mom to me and care for me when my, mom, my own mom just wasn't available emotionally or physically. And all of these women have shaped the relationship that I work to have with my kids, especially with my daughters. So Ruth and Naomi's story has always, always resonated with me. So much so that it prompted me to get my very first tattoo. Some of you know this. A few years ago, which is an abbreviated version of the verse, one of the verses that we just read. In the tattoo, it says, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people, my people, your God, my God. Now, for me, one of the things that I think about when I, when I see this tattoo, it's on my arm here. I'm not going to show it to you. I have a jacket on. Uh, but 
but where you, for me, this speaks about my family. Many of you know my husband, Carl, and he is very passionate about global missions. And so where you go, I will go was, was a call out to him that I am with you in whatever God calls you to do. Where you stay, I will stay. That speaks to my family that's still here. Uh, your people, my people, we've created a community of a family here in Tallahassee. Um, and your God, my God, that doesn't need to be explained, right? Just to be clear. Uh, that's how significant this verse has been to me though. I grew up in a blended family and had wonderful, wonderful relationships with both of my step-parents. And in many ways, I was closer to both of them than I was with my birth parents. I, I know that's not everyone's story that happens to be mine, but I've also been blessed to be a stepmom to two children that have just become, early on, they became my kids. I don't, if you ask me how many kids I have, I tell you I have four. I gave birth to two, but I have four. Make no mistake about it, they are my babies. They have been for many, many years. I won't give you the math there either. Um, Well, it's been a long time anyway. Uh, And for many, many years, we have made the choice over and over again to love each other and to be loyal to each other and embrace each other as family, even when, and especially when, things have been very, very hard and challenging. We have chosen to love each other and to accept each other and to stick with each other. And I tell you this because I like the way that Pastor Mike told us last week that the book of Ruth is a slice of life story where we're taking a look at the daily life of some ordinary people that lived a long, long time ago and the seemingly small but incredibly important decisions that were made by the characters in this story. We can see the choices, including and especially the choice of obedience to God and the decision for loyalty and for family. And we get to discover how that connects to our lives today and the seemingly small daily choices that we are faced with that have an impact on our greater story. Our decisions, our daily decisions may or may not have an impact on saving the world, but, and, and, and like Mike talked about last week, they may not connect to the genealogy of Jesus. That's pretty significant. Our choices may not be at that level, but that doesn't mean that, they, that these decisions don't have a significant legacy impact on the people in our lives, the people around us. Ruth's faithfulness to Naomi as a daughter-in-law is a great example of this Hesed love that we're going to talk about. It's a theme that recurs throughout this book. And throughout it, throughout the story, we'll get to see God's faithfulness to his people, even though we never hear directly from him. Ruth's life was guided by a faithfulness toward God, and it showed itself through the Hesed love that she showed the people in her life, specifically in this case, Naomi. Ruth, a common woman from Moab, not from God's chosen nation of Israel, is the one who showed God's character through her choices. And this reminds us that it's the ordinary people, us, who are called to reveal God's character to those around us. We're the ones. Newsflash. We, as God's children, are called to be obedient to him, and we make both our as we make both of our really big and our really small choices. 
And it isn't a one-time thing. We are called to keep making the right decision over and over and over again, even and especially when things get harder. I love this. Eugene Peterson says that discipleship of Christ, our true following of him, is a long obedience in the same direction. It's choosing to follow him every day, in every circumstance, with everything that we have and in every choice that we make. There have been many times in my life when I've been faced with the choice of moving forward and trusting God or heading back to the safe and familiar harbor. That's come up in my family. It's come up in many friendships. And it's even come up here at E3 in different seasons. And our Our obedience hinges on the love that we have for Jesus. Our obedience is the declaring and the demonstrating of our love for Jesus over and over and over again. Let's go back to the text and pick up in uh, verse 20. The first, this first chapter of, of Ruth concludes by both Naomi and Ruth going to Bethlehem. The town is excited to see Naomi's return, but Naomi says to them in verse 20, don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. These are some strong words that tell us what Naomi is feeling about her life. And I don't want us to lose sight of the perfectly valid reasons that Naomi is angry and hurt. She's not a villain in this story. She's been through a lot. But I do also want us to take note of the way that God draws Naomi back to him. It's through her desperation, her need for the very most basic of things, food, protection, general provision. This is the way that God reveals himself and he does it through Ruth. This ordinary Moabite woman who has an overwhelming desire to obey God, this God of Naomi's and to show said to those around her. As Jason and Greg are gonna come out and sing a new song, I wanna ask you guys to think about which person in this story, in this first chapter, do you identify with more in this season of your life? Is it Naomi who has very legitimate reasons to be angry, who is in a very tough place and is just simply trying to survive? Or do you connect more with Ruth who has nothing to offer really, but still brings all that she has to reveal God's character and his great love to everyone that's around her? Ruth, who wants nothing more than to obey the God of Naomi and to be near to him by being near to her. I'm gonna pray, and then I would ask you guys to reflect on that as they sing this song. Pray with me. God, we ask that you would open our eyes and our hearts to find ourselves in this story, in all of these stories as we explore these ancient words that have very real current day relevance and impact on us. God, help us see where we are 
and recognize that these words are written both to us, but also about us in so many ways. Help us see ourselves, our strengths, and also our weaknesses, the places that we get it right and the places that we don't in these stories and in these people are of your word. God, reveal more to us in these next moments and as we go forward in this series. In Jesus' name, amen.